Ryan Murphy. Hello, Ian. How are you? Doing very well. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, ate some lobster and hung out, played golf. I have a hot take on lobster. It's completely overrated when it's in the shell. It's not worth it. And there's too much like juice shrapnel that yeah. it, it's, it's just it's a it's a net negative when you eat lobster in the shell. <laughs> like take it out. It's no, fine. I agree. Um, I was sitting with uh, SB Nation's Richard Johnson last night at dinner and uh, he opened one and it splattered everywhere. And then I opened one and it got on my phone. It got on the napkins like three seats away from me. It, sometimes it's just not worth it. I mean, it, it was good, but it lobster, worked. Lobster is a status symbol, but as a food, it's not great. <laughs> I agree. I definitely agree. Uh, if you guys don't know, Brian Murphy writes for the Black and Gold Banneret, which is the UCF SB Nation site. Right. So, you know. And we should, we should, we're friends. We are. We are we, very we, friends. Like, there's no animosity here. No. no come on. Um, you're one of the good ones. I oh. cover that team in Oviedo, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> would you like to? Would you like to name some of the bad ones? <laughs> they know who they are. Let's be real. So you and Jeff and Eric and your staff are great to work with. It's mm-hmm. always fun. Thanks, man. Meeting up. Um, but so, how do you how do you feel about media day? What did you get from it from your your guys? Uh, I, I mean, I didn't expect a whole lot coming in because UCF is really well coached when it comes to the media. Hypel is a bag of non-answers mostly, and you got a lot of that today. The experience overall, just as a media person, was, was let's just call it poor. It was really badly organized. The roundtables were not well put together. There were mic issues. There were awful questions. Players weren't where they needed to be. I, I'm, now, I'm just blasting the AAC on the management of this entire week because it really was. It, it, and this is, all, this is all like inside baseball stuff because yeah. no one else cares about this except for media people. But it was bad. It was really bad. Last year was better, and that's not saying a whole lot. Yeah, last year was a lot better. I mean, I only have the two years to compare it to, but compared to last year and this year, it's night and day. And we did a podcast last night after the clan bake. And we're like, there's not that many people here this year either. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes to there's not a true star. Like, there's no Ed Oliver. There, it was supposed to be Mackenzie Milton this year. I remember last year they had the Heisman Trophy here last yeah, year. Yeah, they did. They did not have that here this year. They did not. And, <laughs> sadly, they just had the American Trophy. Uh, but it... The, the conference kind of relies on that one true star to kind of propel it, and there's there's you know interesting stories. I mean, Derek King's probably mm-hmm. the best player that yeah. was here uh, to this weekend, but he's not quite there at, at Oliver. No, I mean, la- this time last year at Oliver was like, yo, that guy could go number one one, mm-hmm. uh, and there's no there's nobody here that you could say like. That guy's draft ceiling is through the roof, but if there is somebody you want to hang, you know, hang a hat on, it's probably D.R. King. If he stays healthy, he looks like he can definitely be the best player in this conference. Yeah, I mean, he put up 50 touchdowns and he missed two and a half games last year, so definitely. And he's coming back. He's coming back healthy, and he's coming back with a massive chip on his shoulder. Like he's, he talked about that today. It was one of the good interviews I got today. Was was him talking pretty openly about how he is really motivated after what he kind of thought was. Um, how the injury sort of stole uh, the end of a, of a great season for him. You know, he wasn't able to finish that great season. The team faltered without him. And uh, I know I'm a UCF guy, and now we're all talking about Houston. 
but uh, but it, it was really cool. I mean, he could be the star of this league, and he's motivated, and it's gonna be fun to watch. Absolutely, I'm just glad USF doesn't play Houston this year. Oh my god, like I couldn't afford a third year of heartbreak against Houston. I really couldn't. Um, I mean, 2017, fourth and fourth and D. Eric, mm. and then 2018, we had a coach try to fight a player on the sideline, and then I think it was fourth and seven. He does a spin move, runs into the end zone for a touchdown. That kind of put the kibosh on any comeback attempt, and it's like, all right, we get it. Yeah, we get it, bro. You're good. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, but heading into the 2019 season, you guys. We're supposed to have a quarterback battle between Daryl Mack Jr. and Brandon Wimbush, and mm-hmm. then <sighs> Rex Center basketball activities. Man, it, they'll get you every time. <laughs> Yo, like talk to Aaron Boone. Just don't play basketball, guys. <laughs> I, I have paper mache ankles as a result of playing basketball for multiple years, and I'm not nearly as athletic as Daryl Mack Jr. Mm. Um, so, I mean, tough break. Wow. Part, pardon it. Wow, that's that really cruel. Bad. That's really awful. Yeah, that was really bad by me. Yikes. Um, but. What do you see going forward? I, I know you guys got the guy from Hawaii that went to Milton's say, same high school. Miliani, yeah, Milani High School. So it's Brandon and him. What what could what could happen? Yeah. So I mean, Brandon Wimbush. If if you just use sort of common sense, because he's a grad a graduate transfer senior from Notre Dame, who in twenty seventeen had a remarkable season, as did Notre Dame. You would, you know, consider a guy with that kind of experience, that kind of pedigree. He's, you know, he's a senior, whereas you know Dylan Gabriel is a freshman, and then Quadra Jones, who's the, the kind of the third man in this race right now. He's a young kid too. I think he's a redshirt freshman as well. Um, uh, so you would think that Gabriel, uh, that that Wimbush is in the lead. But if you talk to Heupel, I mean, talk to some of the players, they they will press upon you that no, this is very much a three-man battle. It's Wimbush, it's Gabriel, it's Quadri Jones. Uh, it's, you know, kind of, they're kind of neck and neck. You can take that for what it's worth. Yes, it could be all could be coach speak. Yes, Heifel could already know who his starting quarterback is going to be uh, for week one. Um, but the way they're portraying it is, you know, it's Wimbush, it's Dylan Gabriel, it's Quadri Jones, and no one is in the lead right now. Uh, it's kind of what USF, the same, they were in the same boat last year, had, you know, Blake Barnett comes in May, and we are hoping for a three-man quarterback battle, but we kind of know, all right, you're bringing a grad transfer from Arizona State, Alabama. He's probably the guy with mm-hmm. the job. So that, you don't bring a quarterback in if you're not going to start him. This is kind of where right. we're at here. Especially a guy, again, in UCF situation, you have a grad transfer senior as opposed to a freshman and a redshirt freshman. Like You would think that experience and that, that, that you know, again, pedigree would give him more of a leg up, UCF isn't isn't divulging any of that, but you would imagine just common sense. Yeah, absolutely, uh, you know you've had to replace a couple offensive linemen. That you know your defense is completely revamped. Mm-hmm. What are you most worried about heading into the 2019 season? Yeah, it's the front seven of the defense. I mean, there's only one returning starter on the uh, defensive line, and Brendan Hayes. Um, you know. The Tristan Hill left early, went to the draft, and then they lost a couple of, uh, of dynamic edge rushers. Um, Pajasinski was a leader at linebacker. He's gone as well. So they're going to have to fill a lot of spots. I mean, this summer and the fall and even in the early part of the season is going to be uh, maybe uh, – I don't, I don't know if rough is the right word, but it's going to be trying to see who steps up into these voids in the middle of 
that defense. Uh, right now, some names that have you know, been mentioned about uh, Eric Mitchell at linebacker being a, a leader. Randy Charlton, even though he's only a sophomore, uh, he got some good playing time as a freshman. He's a real high upside athlete. Uh, he could be a leader even in the sophomore year. And then, you know, obviously, Brendan Hayes is, a, is the senior of, uh, of the group. But um, there's a lot of questions to, add, to answer. And, you know, Nate, this is a group that was not very good against the run uh, last year. So now you take a lot of people out and you play some a lot of new guys. Will they be any better? Will the defense in the middle be any better? I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, it could be just the fact that uh, Randy Shannon's style of defense, which is basically, you know, rush, 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 you want to get to the quarterback, is going to naturally leave holes open. So no matter who you put in there, they're going to be subpar on the, against the run. Um, I, I should say that what really helps that defense if they're not good in the front seven is the fact that they're back four is really strong. They have a lot of returning starters, uh, Richie Grant, Brandon Moore, Neville Clark uh, in the secondary. And in a passing league like that, on a passing league like the AAC is, that can make a lot of difference. Absolutely. Uh, where do you see, you know, your offense is kind of you know, quarterback question mark, but you still have Adrian Killings and Otis Anderson. I mean, your guys are pretty much stacked in yeah. skill positions. Who do you see like emerging that hasn't gotten extensive run and shine so far? Maybe a, a kid named uh, Kavan Ahmad. Uh, you know, because at wide, at wide receiver, you know, they got Gabe Davis, mm-hmm. who, you know, he was here today. Um, Trey Nixon, the transfer from Mississippi, um, had some had some shining moments last year. Really a deep, deep threat guy. I think Kavan Ahmad, uh, the redshirt freshman, um, is a guy who could really step up this year. Another speed burner, another speed merchant. I mean, aren't they all at this point? Yeah. You just want athletes. Um, but he could step up. Um, Gabe Davis brought up a name of, of Jacob Jacob Harris, who is a guy who was a walk-on, uh, got into scholarship, was basically just a solely special teamer guy. But uh, with UCF sort of uh, needing uh, something at tight end or possibly as an H-back, Jacob Harris could certainly fill in there. Um, I, I think this offense is still going to be wholly dynamic no matter who they line up under center just because the system plays so well into mm-hmm. what the what they have athletically at the skill positions the quarterbacks don't I mean they're not going to have great accuracy we talk about Brandon Wimbush he's just not a great accuracy neither does Daryl Mack but you can still be at, you can still be really really scary offensively because he's still surrounded by tremendous athletes and all you need to do is throw like a five yard slant and they're gone yeah I mean, going back I mean Quinn Flowers wasn't great 2015 accuracy wise 2016 took a big step when Sean King came on board and then his last year under Sterling Gilbert kind of took a step back because he was trying to do things that it just wasn't in his skill set mm-hmm. you know um, as long as Heupel doesn't try to force on them something that they're not comfortable doing it's like what are your seven favorite plays let's let's run that let's get that yeah um I think the offense is still going to be dynamic. So Adrian Gillins is one of the best running backs in the conference that, in the country. The, I mean, the running core they have is tremendous with Killens and Anderson and, and McCray. McCray was a stud last year. McCray, what he averaged over eight yards a carry. Yeah, I mean, he's, like, you know, he's somehow the forgotten man in, in the group. And he was probably the best skill player on this team. While being the forgotten really? player, yeah. I mean, if you even want to look at Sports Illustrated, which ranked him, I think, among among the top sixty in in college football players overall, he's the best player on this team. Um, and it's hard to refute that. And for a guy who started his career at Navy because his family, his father, I think, was in the Navy, so he went to Navy, realized that life wasn't for him, so he walked on at UCF, and we got his scholarship before last season. Really didn't make much of an impact at all through the first five or six games. And uh, and then just absolutely went off like a supernova in the second mm-hmm. half of the year. Now, 
uh, yeah, I'd say he's definitely their most all-around best running back, and maybe their most dynamic position, skill position player. Uh, the media polls released today. Um, UCF picked a win again. Uh, seems pretty standard. I did not vote for them. Mm. Have them second in the East. I'm really high on Cincinnati. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I get their they have a tough schedule, but Luke Fickle's guys are sophomores and juniors now, and he's out recruited this conference for the last three years. Like, and you see going to be something. And UCF has to go to Cincinnati for a Friday night game in October um, on ESPN. Uh, if it comes down to a one, a, you know, one game here or there, that that game could, could decide the entire East. Absolutely. So I, I mine was Cincinnati, UCF, USF, <laughs> Temple. ECU, UConn. Yeah. The kind of bottom four were kind of the same. It was the top two that had some splits. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you guys figure out, like, I wrote a story about it. I said, if you guys figure out the quarterback situation, forget what I said. Mm-hmm. You guys are going to run, run, run it back because the, the talent on offense is so extreme. They can overcome what you lack offensive line through the front seven of the secondary and to the secondary. But Without a quarterback, I don't think this offense sticks. You're going to have to figure something out there. Yeah. Um, and then on West, huge. Someone voted for SMU. Let's get that out of the way. So someone did vote for SMU as a first one, first place vote. I hope they're not in this room right now. That because was that was nuts. Idiotic. That was nuts. Like that's a spite vote. Again, let's let's also like preface with this. It's a preseason media poll. So in the term of like one, it means nothing to like ten. It's everything. It's like a negative seventeen. Absolutely. It's like it's like so nothing. Um, but like so maybe somebody's just having fun. Somebody in Dallas like you know what? Why not? Why and not? sure, good for you. It's a free country. Um, but it was kind of nuts. It was kind of nuts. But uh, Memphis edges Houston by one first place vote mm-hmm. to win in the West. I picked Mem- I picked Houston. Um, I don't trust Mike Norvell to win a big game. <laughs> oh no. I talked to him. I talked to him today, and he didn't say a whole lot. It was kind of the same questions I had from last year. It was like, how do you guys bounce back from from yet another <laughs> crushing conference title game loss? I mean, it, I mean, how many? At some point, no matter who you're rotating into your skill positions, and Memphis, by the way, returns a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. They're still they're good on defense now, but they've still got lots of good guys on offense. They got the quarterback with Brady White back, and Patrick Taylor running back. He you know he's already he's going to be a star. He's going to be a stud. But just mentally, you know, how many times you try to climb up that mountain and get rejected before that climb just becomes too arduous? You know, I mean, it's the, the second half adjustments have killed them in the three games against UCF. Uh, they were up against Wake in the uh, in the bowl game, lost it at halftime. They were, yeah. up, they were up fourteen at, uh, against Navy early in the season, lost that game. It's yeah. something needs to change, and. I can't trust him. Why would he Mike Norvell? Yeah, it's too bad. And again, if Derek King is, is is healthy, he's the best player in this conference probably. So I will say one thing about the UCF quarterback battle, as I've already – more than I've already said about it. So I, I do want to preface that Daryl Mack and Brandon Wimbush are basically the same guy. So, yes, Daryl Mack is hurt. And that's like, oh, no, what does UCF do? They basically plug in Brandon Wimbush, who's basically Daryl Mack with more experience and more – uh, he's got more like yeah he's got more experience in, in big games they're both big guys I, I think Mac is 6'3", 230 whereas Wimbush is 6'2", 225, 220 
They both run like the wind. They're fantastic athletes. They both do not. They both have accuracy flaws as passers. Like they're not very good. They're basically the same guy. Which again, which is why I think Wimbush has the clear lead here because it's it's just like a one for one. Like mm-hmm. you take Mac out, they kind of have a Mac clone waiting in the wings. Like so, I really don't think UCF loses. Um, you know, in much with Mac actually being injured, I really don't. Um, but. Uh, I can't rule out Dylan Gabriel. I can't rule out Dylan, Dylan Gabriel. I can. I will kind of rule out Quadra Jones. And if and if he does make a leap this year and he plays great, then you can call me an idiot. That's fine. <laughs> it, but I think he's clearly third. But the the buzz, the quad, that buzz that Dylan Gabriel's gotten in spring ball uh, and in summer, uh, just from people talking, it, it it does seem like he can really be, if not a contributor this year, he will end up being the best quarterback on this roster in short order and carry this you know, UCF offense, this UCF dynasty, so to speak, into the next uh, generation. Absolutely. I uh, want to change gears a little bit. I know, you know a couple weeks ago, one of your fiercest rivals announced they are leaving the conference. Oh, yes. That the civil conflict, unfortunately, <sighs> Someone Wait, needs to find that trophy. Wasn't it already dead? Someone needs to find the trophy, though. I think it's lost somewhere. I think it's in Pandora's Did, did we find it? Didn't somebody find it? Isn't it like in some janitor's closet up in... Oh, God, I wish. Up in stores? That'd be funny. Oh, like, and y'all just left it on the bench. Yeah, there. we left it on the bench. Yeah, because we... Because, like, come on. What's been your thoughts on it? What's been the UCF fan base thoughts on, okay, well, now UConn's out. Yeah, I mean, fans have you know grandiose ideas of like, okay, well, well, UConn's out, so who can we get to replace them? Like, you know, let's go get like Alabama. <laughs> Y'all can't even schedule Alabama. Why are you going to yeah. try to get them in the conference? By the way, you guys did so. Props, props. Um, you know, who who are the options that UCF can really go to to replace UConn? You know, UCF. What are the options that AAC can go to to replace UConn? You, Boise State or or Army, who probably wouldn't because they they like their independence or. Um, you know, other teams in the Mountain West area. I, I don't really know. I don't think any of them make a difference. UConn leaving is sort of seen as like a plus. It's, it is sort of a positive for this football in, in a way because they're just such a, a – they are a dead horse. They're absolutely dead horse. Beating, beating them does you nothing does nothing good. Losing them in basketball hurts. They are still a, a decent program with a lot of history, and I believe Danny Hurley is going to take them on the right track. Baseball, they're really good. Oh, man, but they, they, that horseshoe up their ass in Clearwater is something else. Yeah, I know. They're, they, they, just, they have something. When they get down to Clearwater – uh, they 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 turn around. How good or bad they are, they yeah. they'll win three games and somehow make the finals. So so I mean like to, like to give you like the worst answer ever on this question, it is literally a push as to like the impact of UConn leaving, um, because it's bad for some sports and good for others and and football which people care about the most. It's probably good then, um, as far as the fact that they are leaving. Like I mean, good for you. Are you trying to like stoke nostalgia to like earn the program money, even though you're hemorrhaging money already and then paying to get out of the league. And you're going to a, a conference that is not the conference you left. And in many ways, the American is better than the big East. So you're paying money to go to a worse conference when you're already losing money. Good for you. Yeah. And you know, the big question is what do they do with their, their football program? They're not staying in the American at all no chance in that I believe they go independent I believe they will I, I'm curious to see if there's a, 
clause in their contract with the state of Connecticut about making sure you stay FBS to keep and uh, at stay at Rentschler. Yeah. Because if there's a you can't drop below FBS status, and you're just going to toil away in independence. Yeah. And if I mean if they get out for the 2020 season, like the biggest announced they did when they announced the addition, where are you scheduling eight games in less than a year? Absolutely not. And, and again, like to read all the positive spin on this, the only positive spin on this is that it could possibly bring back the heyday of Big East basketball. And yet, that's dead. That's gone. None of that exists. Syracuse is in the AAC. And Syracuse is not walking through that door. And so none of this makes sense from a UConn perspective as far as you know, making more money for your programs overall, for your department overall, because you're going to a worse conference in many sports, including the biggest money maker, which is football still, even for you, for basketball, the AAC and Big East are like right there. They're right with each other. I mean, again, again we could go all day on this, but it makes no sense. I, I almost, I almost cursed. <laughs> you can, you, you can definitely curse on this podcast if you'd like. I can. Oh yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see what else. So USF announced today. Michael Kelly was on our podcast and he talked to the Tampa Bay Times. Um, they've kind of got a, a groundbreaking date set in mind for April 2020. Uh which is fantastic news. They, they're just over $20 million raised. They're committed for the project. And what he told us on the podcast uh, earlier today, uh, April 2020, groundbreaking, 14-month project, be ready by 2021 season. This seems expedited, does it not? It, it seems quick. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how they're going to raise $20 million in what, nine months, mm-hmm. but... More power to you. I mean, it, but it, just seeing the quick reactions online, the excitement the, the, for this has been tremendous. I mean, this was something that was announced November of 2017, and it's been slow go of it through two ADs, two, two presidents now. And, uh, I mean, if they can get it up and running, if they can get – I think – I think you probably want to get fully funded before you start because then that's going to be super awkward if someone comes and it's like, hey, I need $4 million for this. Like, brother, I ain't got it. Sorry. Empty pockets over here. I got an IOU. That's good for $4 million if you want to wait. But, I mean, I wish we were UCF and could just misappropriate the funds for a little bit. Hey, it's but, fine. Do it. Take your shots. I'm, I'm, pull up pull from 40. It's fine. Did you did you hear um, Mike Oresco name drop Dale Whitaker in the and, and hit. yeah what and are you hit. doing? I mean Both hit, of them? hit you can drop hit because he's got a history and a record of like decent work but Dale Whitaker is like your Anthony Scaramucci of like presidents <laughs> <laughs> like hey there he is oh he's gone so since your move to SB Nation how how has the the growth of the site and everything been? Uh, it seems okay. I don't know. <laughs> fair, fair. Because I don't have like the I don't have the key to the site and uh, um, to the uh, to all the clicks and who's who's reading what. Um, it's really just sort of been a. It was obviously a passion project for Jeff Sharon that uh, you know he he picked up Eric and then I ran into Eric and was looking for some work and and I, I love sports writing so this has been great. Uh, this isn't answering your question in the slightest, but. No, but- uh, but no, it's been fun, and I think this year, 
you know, last year was our first year under SB Nation. We didn't we didn't know we were under SB Nation's umbrella until like I think like August. So we were just sort of scrambling. I think this year we're we're more organized. We're gonna have a better plan. I think we're gonna have better content. So um, I think this year's gonna be a, a pretty solid year for Black and Gold Band Rat. I appreciate it. Um, I think that's it for me. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to add? Um, looking forward to my 5 a.m. flight back up to back to Orlando. That's going to be shit um, at 5 a.m. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a 2:30 Uber back to the airport from uh, from Newport, and uh, looking to write some some stuff. And uh, yeah, fuck, I just want to curse some more. <laughs> All right. Well, Brian Murphy, I appreciate you coming on. You can check him out at, at Spokes underscore Murphy. And then their uh, black and gold banneret is at UCF underscore banneret. Yeah, I think so. All right. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Nate. Thanks.